This is the Carlin versus Joe podcast on ESPN Radio. Right back to work for the Philadelphia Eagles. Back in the win column as they take care of the Miami Dolphins on Sunday night football. So are we starting to find out what the Eagles are actually made of right now? Carlin versus Joe, ESPN Radio, Sirius XM, Channel 80, presented by Progressive Insurance. Follow us over on X or Twitter, whatever you want to call it, at Chris Carlin, at Joe Fortenbaugh, at Carlin versus Joe. Let's just start with this thought for a moment. We talked about the Dolphins and the fact that they haven't really played anybody, Joe. And when they have played teams with winning records, they have lost to them. Those are where their two losses are coming from. The Philadelphia Eagles have only played one team this season with a winning record, and that was the Miami Dolphins last night. Yet, we don't really talk about that when they are 5-1. and And the reason is, the Eagles have achieved enough over the last couple of years to get the benefit of the doubt in that situation. Do we know what this Philadelphia team is actually made of right now? Are they of that championship timber that we're giving them credit for at the moment? The other thing with the Eagles, to your earlier point, they passed the eye test. You put them on TV, you watch a game, you see a quarterback make plays, you see big play wide receivers make plays, you see fourth down conversions, you see stops on defense. They look competent. Like, you don't need metrics and analytics. You don't need, you know, breakdowns from experts. You don't need to go to Orlovsky or any of the other great minds we have around here. You don't need any of it. You watch an Eagle game, you come away from it saying, yeah, that team's pretty good. Mm-hmm. Whether or not they're great, that's another story. But there are teams you watch where you come away and you say, you know what? I don't care what the record is. That team's not good. Atlanta's one of those teams. Like, I, I don't care what Atlanta's record is. You come away from an Atlanta game, you feel like you need a shower. It's like, what did I just watch, man? Like, you, <laughs> it's such a struggle. And then it's always decided by one score. It's similar to the Chargers. Like, the Chargers eye test is this team has potential, but they always squander it. With the Eagles, you watch them play, they're good. They're a good football team. They passed the eye test. So the fact this year that they've only beaten one team with a winning record, yeah, you make a great point about how they've already shown us they can go to the NFC Championship and win and that they were in the Super Bowl with a chance to win last year. So we know. We know the resume's there and all those key players are back. Are they capable of winning the Super Bowl this year? They don't feel as great as last year's team, but last year's team was kind of running through a very weak schedule. And so far this schedule hasn't been all that daunting, but – I don't know. It's, it's, it comes down to one of these. How, how much do we want to nitpick teams who are consistently winning, right? Like, it yeah. feels like we're, we, we find the negative flaw in everything. The coaching decisions, the quarterback play. We're always so quick to point out the problems. But then we're presented with a team like Kansas City, and it's like, well, yeah, the offense isn't as explosive, though. Well, the Niners, I don't know. You know, they, they lost at Cleveland. Well, Philadelphia doesn't look as good this year. Like, what is it that we need in order to accept that a team is very good? We need, like, perfection against nothing but the hardest schedule in the NFL, and that's, that's it for us. That's it. And even then, we'll find a way to knock that down, I'm sure. Well, what I need is more. You need more? This is what I need. I need more. Joe, I'm always looking for something to believe in, whether it's life or in the NFL. You know this about me. (laughs) That's it. Those are the two things. Exactly. Life in the NFL. Yep. Yep. Absolutely. And the Eagles have presented me over the last few weeks with a very confused feeling about them. And what I mean by that, not nitpicking here. They have done what they are supposed to do. 
But what has been my theme about Philadelphia so far this year, now that we're past week seven? It has always been, yeah, listen, they are, they are impressive in that they have not played their best football as of yet. But, Joe, they still haven't played their best football. And so I keep waiting for that to come, and I keep wondering now at least week five, week six, week seven, when is that going to come? Is that definitively going to come? Again, benefit of the doubt with everything that has happened. And I, I look forward then. They have got a murderer's row stretch coming up. This is, this is going to be really, really difficult. And I guess it, I don't want to sit here and make that same obvious statement of, well, we'll learn all about what the Eagles are in the coming weeks. But, but you're going to do it. You I'm, know you're going to do it. I'm, I'm not going to do it fully. All I'm going to say is, like, <laughs> yeah. I, I just need validation. Again, in life and in the NFL, I need validation. Am I wrong to have these confused feelings about this team that, frankly, maybe I shouldn't be that confused about? I don't think so because there's See, a problem. There's you're a pro- validating me. There's a problem at quarterback. That's what it comes down to. There is a problem at quarterback. Not a big problem at the moment, but Jalen Hurts is clearly not the same guy we remember from last year. Still very good, throwing for more yards per game this season, completing a small percentage of passes more this year than he did last year, taking a few fewer sacks this year than last year, but he is turning the ball over at an alarming rate. I mean, you go back to last year, he threw six interceptions in 15 games. He already has eight this year, Carlin. Two more interceptions this year than he did last year, and he's played under half the games. Six, or I should say seven this year uh, when you factor in last night. I don't know why why I didn't come away with that. But you go into the rushing as well. I'm trying to bring up the fumble numbers here. We've had a few of those too. So ultimately this year, what is it? Two fumbles this season. That's what's alarming. You know, they put the game on him uh, in the Jets matchup on third and nine. He, he throws the big interception that leads. That was on Sirianni. They should have been running in that spot. But when the quarterback has taken a noticeable step back in the most important of categories, which is turnovers, that's what's going to stand out as something's off about the Eagles this year. Because last year, they just blew everybody out. It looked clean every week, and they blew everybody out. And when he was hurt, they struggled. And when he came back, they blew people out. Well, right now, he's turning the ball over at an alarming rate, and that'll ultimately burn you before you can win the Super Bowl. Carlin versus Joe, ESPN Radio, presented by Progressive Insurance. Save when you bundle motorcycle, RV, and boat insurance. Visit Progressive.com. I am sick and tired of one thing, though. And it's got to stop. Everyone across the NFL has got to stop whining and complaining about the tush push. I get it. You don't like it. You know why you don't like it? Because you can't stop it. Period. End of story. Here's Nick Sirianni talking about the tush push. First and nine every down. You know, every first down is first and nine. Knowing that if you get the fourth, fourth and one, um, shoot, a lot of faith in that play. Because you've seen it, right? You've seen it across the league that people can't do it like we can do it. They can't do it like we can do it. And, uh, and so I'm making my plug right there, like, don't don't ban this play. Like, if everyone could do it, everybody would. Where's the camera? If everybody could do it, everybody would do it. Exactly. Exactly. And everybody doesn't have Jason Kelsey 
to help make that play work, to get incredible leverage down low. And even Kelsey admits every time that play is coming, I'm like, oh, God, this is going to hurt. But they still deliver. They still deliver each and every time. Stop it. You don't like it? Stop it. A team's running it up on you. You don't like it? Stop it. Nobody can stop it. It's a dominant play. And, Joe, you know me. Destroyed, destroyed Brandon Staley on a couple of occasions this year for going for it on fourth down and one inside his own 30-yard line late in games with the lead. Did it twice, 0 for 2. Moronic. Last night, Nick Sirianni does it. I had zero problem with it at the time. You know why? He's got the most unstoppable play in football. See, you're focused more on result than process. You, you, you can't bash Staley for right, making Brandon the same Staley's decision. Brandon Staley's process stinks. <laughs> it's his result that stinks. His result stinks. His process is correct. Staley makes the right decision more often than not in those spots. If he converts... It looks genius like it did with the Eagles last night. But he so often fails in execution. We had Austin Eckler on this show a few weeks ago. We asked, with all these fourth down conversions, like, do they dedicate time at practice to this? And he was kind of like, yeah, I mean, you know, we spent some time on it. Yeah. But it wasn't like there was a – for how many times the Chargers fail – in these spots, you would think there'd be an entire chunk of practice dedicated to these fourth and one plays. The, the, the only thing that upsets me about the conversation around the brotherly shove is the fact that why would we be so upset with something that works? Like, I choose to be angry about teams that on fourth and one come out and they line up in the shotgun. And they, they voluntarily start five yard, start the ball five yards behind the line of scrimmage. The ball is placed. You need that ball to go three feet. So their rationale is, let's start 15 feet back and then move forward, right? That's the thing that burns me up. The thing where it's fourth and one at midfield and you know the team needs to go and they line up and the quarterback gets under center and he starts yelling and screaming and they're really just trying to draw you off sides and then they take the five-yard penalty, they back up and they punt. That's the stuff that gets me. The guys who make the incorrect decisions and the guys who decide to line up in shotgun on fourth and inches. I don't understand why there isn't more vitriol for that. Yeah. When so many people look at what the Eagles are doing and it's successful and they just want to bash the hell out of the play like it's successful. They found a way to take a very important part of the game and make it simple. And our reaction to that is to call for it to be outlawed. Like, but meanwhile, a guy on fourth and one will go shotgun and the same people complaining will probably complain about that, that too. The bottom line, we're a nation of complainers. We look to complain about everything. If something's good, we complain about it. Oh, the Eagles don't look as good this year. Something's wrong. The Chiefs aren't scoring as many points. Something's wrong. But then the Bears look like crap and we want everyone to be fired. There's never any positivity. There's never any looking at and, and commending and applauding the innovation, the success, the creativity. It's just finding the things we want to complain about and highlighting that. Tush push, brotherly shove. The only complaint about it, you got to pick one name. Can't have two. Got to go with one. Well, the one, exactly. And, uh, and tush push is fine. All right. We don't need to continue. To it's brotherly that. shove. It's brotherly shove. Okay. It plays whatever. right into pick the city. One. It's brotherly I, shove. Pick one. I don't care. That's fine. Either way. There brotherly shove. Great. Works for you, no problem. What should be outlawed, not the play, stupidity in coaching. That should be outlawed, and it's not. And just to finish the thought on Staley versus Sirianni here, part of the process, Joe, is the selection of the play call. And too many times, Brandon Staley picks a play that does not 
put the ball in the hands of his best player, which is the quarterback. Okay, that's part of the process that stinks. When Sirianni does it, he has a foolproof process, and that is that play that cannot be stopped. Carla versus Joe, ESPN Radio, Sirius XM, Channel 80. That was a very validating segment for me, and I'm very <laughs> excited about that. We're, we're presented by Progressive Insurance. Joseph, some people are starting to wonder if the Buffalo Bills are a Super Bowl contender. Those people don't listen. Because if they did, they wouldn't be wondering. It's Carlin versus Joe, ESPN Radio. This is the Carlin versus Joe podcast on ESPN Radio. Passion, drive, and patience. The formula for winning championships is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. Superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to make your car the MVP and bring home huge wins. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. This podcast is proud to be supported by Jets Pizza, the number one pick in Detroit-style pizza. Why? It's simple. Jets is better. With the thickest, crispiest, cheesiest Detroit-style pizza in the country, there's no competition. Right now, get $5 off any eight-corner pizza with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Go to jetspizza.com to learn more and find a location near you. Again, try Jets' signature eight-corner pizza and get $5 off with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Jets Pizza. Better because it has to be. That's what I told the guys in the huddle. Just take a deep breath and let's go do it, right? Jones has it. Looks to his right. Throws it to the right. Got it. Touchdown. He's got it. Patriots. Wish I knew the exact answer because we'd, we'd have it fixed by now. Allen on a deep drop. Looking to throw. Steps up. Fires it. Right. Kick off. Peppers is there. He caught in front of the receiver and knocks. And the Patriots with a takeaway. You know, our season's not over. It's a long season. You know, it's still pretty bleak right now. I've tried to tell you for weeks, weeks. And Joe, you know me, last thing I want to do is make anything about me. Yeah. I've tried. I've tried. And nobody wants to listen. The Buffalo Bills are not going to the playoffs. They're not that great. And we saw it again yesterday against a team with just a brutally painful, boring, and bad Offense, We saw them go right down the field on them when it mattered the most. What an incredibly bad loss for the Buffalo Bills, who are now 4-3. and three. Please have the floor try to convince me I'm anything but right about the Bills and their not even exciting average football. No, I'm, I'm coming over to your camp on this one. I'm coming over to your camp. You've been on this since before the season started, and I remember I disagreed disagreed wholeheartedly that they would miss the playoffs here we are seven weeks in i'm 
certainly more in your camp than I am my previous camp. Um, it's it's one thing to to have these reactions after certain games. People will say you're a prisoner of the moment, recency bias, all that stuff. That's why today when we've talked about Baltimore, yeah, good win yesterday. But again, cons- consistency has been your issue throughout your entire run here with Lamar Jackson. Like, I'm not going to get overly excited about Baltimore blowing out Detroit because I watched him give away a game to Pittsburgh a couple weeks ago. I know those inconsistencies for the Ravens are right around the corner. Um, similar with Detroit, not going to shovel dirt on their grave because they're a younger team. They had a bad game, third bat, third road game in four weeks. Those things happen. Let's see how they bounce back. They're still moving in the right direction. I didn't see that game as a reason to overreact. In this situation, we're going to react, and we're going to react as such. Seven games this year that the, the Buffalo Bills have played. They have been unimpressive in four. They have been impressive in three. And I know I said they're four and three, but there's a win in there where they were thoroughly unimpressive. Let's go through it. Week one against the Jets. Aaron Rodgers gets hurt half a second into the game. You lose to Zach Wilson. That is very unimpressive. You hammer the Raiders in week two. Impressive. You hammer the Commanders in week three. Impressive. You beat the Dolphins in week four. Impressive. Those are your three impressive games. Put up 48 points for Pete. Yeah, put up 48. Like, that was a great stretch. Three and one looked like everything was cooking. And in the three weeks since, you went to London and got beat by the Jaguars, where you didn't look very good in that game. You beat the Giants 14 to nine in a game that... My God, if the Giants were a third of the way competent, they would have stolen that from you. They found a way to give it away, but you still looked unimpressive. And then there's this one against the Patriots where, keep in mind, in the four previous games combined, the Patriots had scored a grand total of 35 points. 35 points in four games combined. They hung 29 on you yesterday, including a game-winning touchdown drive led by Mac Jones. You have been unimpressive in four, impressive in three. That makes you an unimpressive football team. I'm more in your camp. Maybe as of now they get into the playoffs, but not as the Super Bowl threat we've seen in the last few years. I get that people are going to go to the injuries. I get that they're going to point to Matt Milano and they're going to point to Tredavious White. I'm sorry, it doesn't matter anymore. Those guys are gone. For the moment, they are not coming back anytime soon. And when that's the case, you then have to have the next guys in line. And that should not have been enough to keep you from winning that game yesterday. That should not have been enough. Those injuries shouldn't be remotely a concern when it comes to that Bill's defense against just Matt Jones, who... Looked competent yesterday, but I would argue the Bills made him look more confident or competent than he actually is because I've seen too much of the other Mac Jones the last year and a half. Point to whatever you want with coordinators and such. He's not very good. And even when you watch him throw the football, there's not a ton behind it. Now, there's also the offensive side. I want to hear from Josh Allen on this loss because it was an absolutely brutal loss for Buffalo. I'm going to watch this film and, and find a way to to get there, whatever it is. You know, our season's not over. It's a long season. I know it feels pretty bleak right now, but, you know, we're, we're going to figure it out. Joe, you know what the Bills have done offensively? They have beaten the life out of Josh Allen. They have taken away the identity of who he is. Now, We all understand that Josh Allen needs to be more careful with the football, and that was a big point of emphasis coming into this season. We also knew that the Bills did not want Josh Allen 
to take as many hits this season, so they have tried to discourage him from running. Joe, when I watch Josh Allen, that's in his head way too much. That's in his head way too much. He is thinking about trying to throw the ball up until the last minute of every single play to try to make something happen, and it even gets more dangerous then. Think about this. Josh Allen last year rushed for 760 yards. So far this season, he's rushed for 148. He has one game out of seven that's over 40 yards so far. Do you know that he is on pace for less than half of what he rushed for last season? You got to let Josh Allen be Josh Allen a little bit more here. There is a balance. And if he's a great quarterback, Joe, he can find it. Yeah, but that's so much easier said than done. This is a guy who all offseason and for the better part of the second half of last year was being criticized that he took too many shots, that he's going to end up like Cam Newton. He's not going to be able to last because he takes too many big shots when he runs. Okay, the media yelled it. His team said it to him. He heard it from everywhere. So now he's making the adjustment. He's trying to run less. He's trying to stay out of harm's way. And now it's more criticism. He's not running enough. He's not making enough plays with his legs. Like, where does it end? Right? Like, you're right. He's got to find the balance. But that's easier said than done. But he's that's not a rookie or a second-year player anymore. Like, we've been around the block here a few times. That shouldn't be that hard to find. I, I mean, look at what you're asking for, though. We want him to run, and we want him to put up comparable yards, and we want him to be effective with his feet, but but you got to avoid the, contact. But if you're asking him to run and slide, is that that outlandish? It feels like it's a lot harder to do than people realize. Who, who, there are some other guys. I'm trying to think. Who are the other guys that have struggled with this throughout their career? Who was the guy that took sliding lessons in the offseason the one year? Like, there oh, was, there's a right. quarterback not long Mark ago. Mark Sanchez. You know what I'm talking about? Yeah, it was It was Sanchez, Sanchez who did it? Yeah. I mean, yeah, some guys only know the game one way. Allen has always been one of the biggest, most physical guys on the field. He played at Wyoming, for crying out loud. Taking shots from collegiate defenders in the Mountain West Conference isn't the same as taking shots from the Baltimore Ravens or the New England Patriots. So that's always worked for him. We're asking him not just to slide. It sounds so simplistic, and I get where you're coming from, but we're asking him to fundamentally alter the way he plays. He played a physical style of football. Now we're saying don't play a physical style of football, but give us the same results. It's not as easy to do as as just sliding when the situation calls for it. Like, you watch Jalen Hurts. Jalen Hurts slides. Jalen Hurts will slide and give up way too early on a lot of plays. Way too early, but he's protecting himself. Yeah. And you know what? He hasn't run as effectively this year. I understand that. But I'm not going to get on him about that. To me, it's taking away a guy's weapon and asking him to be something that he's not. I don't think – I'm not going to sit here and tell you it's easy, okay? I, I get that. But we are far enough down the road with Josh Allen where where to take responsible shots and where not to as far as throws down the field and into traffic. There should be a, a pretty good idea of where that line is. We tend to struggle with that. Same thing when it comes to running the ball. Same thing. Carlin versus Joe, ESPN Radio, Sirius XM Channel 80. We're presented by Progressive Insurance. It's always one of my most favorite segments each and every week. It is known simply as takeoff. The takes come fast and furious, furious or furious on any NFL game <laughs> or every NFL game. 
you're really working your way through this one. <laughs> I had a lot of travel this weekend, so I'm still. <laughs> Listen, reading. Evan, these teases need to be like six words or less. Now, this is not you can't we can't pin it on him. This is I I I tried to improvise this one. That's oh, this, this is on you. My teases sometimes get like jazz. You know, it's like you don't know what's coming out next. He pulled the old Cade Clubnick. We were supposed to do a handoff, and he decided to just keep it for himself. Just yeah, he just decided I'm calling my own number here, and it's like, listen, man, when we when we've been calling other people's numbers, you're struggling there too. Let's maybe not call your own number. Hey, we could wristband it if we need. <laughs> yeah, we're gonna need to wristband it. <laughs> That's a good one. It's Carlin versus Joe on ESPN. You know, if we need to wristband it, we will. <laughs> This is the Carlin versus Joe podcast on ESPN Radio. Hi, it's Mike Greenberg letting you know ESPN Bet is ready to take you through all the biggest sports moments this spring. The official sportsbook of ESPN has exclusive offers and markets from Scott Van Pelt, Stephen A. Smith, and me, plus many more. From the playoff intensity to finally getting out to the ballpark, there's no better time for sports fans. Sign up today. New users get a bet reset up to $1,000 in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. Download ESPN Bet today. What a play. Must be 21 plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. See app for details. Now, let's talk about the play of the week. The pressure to follow up Hypnotic and Cognac, weighing heavy on the team. Hypnotic was in the cup, blue, and ready for the play. And boom! Añejo Tequila came in with a smooth assist to Hypnotic's tropical fruit finish. Shaken, strained, poured. It was green and good! Playmaking splash shifted the tempo. Another great cocktail from the Hypnotic team. Every season is Hypnotic and Tequila season. Hypnotic Liqueur, Bardstown, Kentucky, 17% alcohol by volume. Hypnotic reminds you to think wisely, drink wisely. Enough is enough! I have had it with these takes on this play! Everybody strap in! This plane is headed down the runway and ready for the NFL takeoff. That's right. We love it each and every week. It is the NFL takeoff. Quick takes on every single game in the league. This is part one. Evan, I don't have them on the screen, so I'm going to ask you guys to fire away with the NFL takeoff. Now I've got them. Never mind. Rounds 39. Colts 38. Holy cow, what a game this was. But, Joe, unfortunately, there there really is only one thing anybody's going to talk about, and it's a continued atrocious officiating. End of this game, first and goal at the 8. You've got P.J. Walker trying to find Donovan Peoples-Jones back of the end zone. Pass interference called with 38 seconds left. Uh, Donovan Peoples-Jones would have had to been sitting in the front row of the end zone seats to make the catch, and it wasn't ruled uncatchable. Next thing you know, they get another opportunity at it. What do we want to do to fix this? Do we want to bring back the opportunity to throw challenge flags on pass interference? I, I don't know what to do. There was some of that last night in the Eagles game as well, and we see it all the time in the NFL. All the time there are some of these ticky-tack calls that either get called in or brutal or that get missed. So I don't know what to do to improve this product. That game, though, the over-under was 40 points. Like, that was an incredible yeah. game that went off script. Like, yep. for what was predict- predicted for that game, that went way off script and in a very pleasant fashion. Yeah, and other part of this, too, is Deshaun Watson comes back, starts, 
uh, gets set, smacks his head into the ground, or shoved into the ground, I should say, after he threw a pass, uh, goes into concussion After he threw an interception. Uh, the interception, I'm sorry. Yeah, let's uh, make sure we get that in there, because it's not like he's returning anything on that investment. No, he finished one for five before he went out of the game. But here's the point. Cleared concussion protocol did not come back into the game. They went with P.J. Walker, and then after the game, they said, no, uh, Deshaun's still our guy going forward. I'll tell you what, it really is the worst trade of all time. There's virtually no doubt about that anymore. Congratulations to the Broncos. <laughs> <laughs> we did it. You're not the worst You're anymore. Ravens 38, Lions 6. Beat down from pillar to post. This game was over middle of the second quarter. Here's all you need to know. Ravens score touchdowns on each of their first four drives of the day, Joe. And then on the flip side, the Lions go three and out on each of their first three drives. 28 nothing. Good night. This is the upside. When it comes to the Baltimore Ravens, this is what they're capable of. Taking a good team and systematically dismantling them on both sides of the ball. It's why it becomes frustrating watching them in the postseason because as exciting as they are and as good as they can be, they somehow find a way to let inconsistency creep in at the absolute worst times. Remember, as you're parading around the Ravens today saying that they might be the best team in the AFC or that they might be right there with the Kansas City Chiefs, you only have to go back a couple weeks to where they looked abysmal against the Pittsburgh Steelers and just a couple weeks before that where they looked atrocious against the Indianapolis Colts the Ravens are good the question is whether or not they can be great in the postseason we've yet to see it Chiefs 31 Chargers 17 quiet day for Patrick Mahomes only 424 yards and four touchdowns Joe that is the fifth time in his career he has done that that's already tied with Drew Brees for third in NFL history behind Manning and Dan Marino. On the flip side, Justin Herbert, absolutely nothing like that. This Kellen Moore-Justin Herbert thing, it's not going that great so far. He only finished 17 of 30 with two interceptions on the deck. He stunk. He stunk once again. And the thing is, Kansas City opened the door in the second half for the Chargers to win that game. And once again, the Chargers were nowhere to be found in the second half after the adjustments had been made. Kansas City leads that game 24-17 to at the half. Kansas City, with a seven-point lead against the Chargers, goes on to score seven more points the rest of the way. The Chargers scored nothing, lost by 14. Think about that for a second. If you're at Arrowhead, down seven at the half, and you hold Mahomes and company to seven points in the second half, you come out and score nothing, you had a chance to win that game. You had a chance to make it competitive. But once again, poor coaching, poor in-game adjustments, poor execution from the quarterback. This is a team that we have said on this show time and time again. They are not a serious team. No one should take this franchise seriously when it comes to anything in the NFL. And, Joe, one last thing. Um, I played the the Travis Kelsey over yards, 77 and a half. Yeah, I had that in the first quarter. There you go, buddy. Yeah. Well played. I mean, double, triple team, maybe. I don't know. The ball's going to go to Travis Kelsey. He and Mahomes now have combined for 50 touchdowns, fourth tight end quarterback duo in league history to ever do that. Brady Gronk, uh, Breeze, and Jimmy Graham. And then uh, who did we say was the other one? It was, um, oh, for Pete's sake, uh, uh, Antonio Gates, Phillip Rivers. There. That was the other one. So there we have it with that. Then we had 
The Falcons. The Falcons. The Falcons with the win over the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Joe, uh, Young Hoku had the game wing field goal with 51 seconds left, as, uh, or with a 51 yard field goal as time expired. But Desmond Ritter, Joe, Desmond Ritter three times lost fumbles in the red zone. How is he still the quarterback? I know he actually played well besides that, but that in and of itself wipes out anything else that's good. Yeah, he has been wildly, wildly below average for the Falcons throughout the course of the season. He's not going to be the starter next year. The question is whether or not they go to Heineke sometime this season. Biggest takeaway from this game, Arthur Smith, Falcons head coach. Come on, man. Stop screwing around with the injury report. All right. Bijan Robinson has some has some illness. Yeah, I had one carry in the game. You got gamblers and you got fantasy football players. And I know people driving around will scoff at this because it's like, oh, think of the gamblers and the fantasy football players. We're watching this game, man. We're trying to enjoy this stuff. When you play shenanigans like this with the injury report and the guy doesn't play, everyone wants to know what's wrong. And then he tells afterwards, oh, he was feeling sick. How come that wasn't on the injury report? NFL needs to look into that. Yeah, that was a terrible job. And I'll just say this about Arthur Smith. Not a fan. Not a fan. They're winning games. Somehow they're winning games. It's unbelievable. Bears 30, Raiders 12. What the hell is a Tyson Badgent? Honestly. A winner. You know, Joe, Tyson Badgent out of Division II Shepherd University. We talked about him a little bit earlier this year. Tyson Badgett in his last game of college football. He and Shepard got blown out by the Colorado School of Mines, where he threw for 160 yards and two interceptions. Is this real or are you making this up? absolutely 100% real. Colorado School of Mines? Yes, out of Division II. That was in the playoffs. He threw for 165 yards and two interceptions in that game yesterday. 162 yards and a touchdown. And the Bears win. Colorado School of Mines. Yes. Yes. I guess, you, gonna, didn't, you, guess you didn't take the points this weekend, huh? Uh, no. I. Wow. Okay. That's a good fun fact. It feels like there's going to be a, a badgeant fun fact every single week moving forward because I, I just, I have, I had no idea that, that he was the an NFL player until last week. I was shocked well, by Joe. the whole thing, but I'll, the jokes about, you know, him, the bears, all that stuff. I'll tell you what, Josh McDaniels in the Raiders right now. That's as bad as it gets. That's yeah. as bad as it gets right there. That does not, <laughs> that does not instill any confidence, that performance in Chicago. And you know what? You know what's happening in Chicago today. They are exactly. screaming for Tyson Badgett, even if Fields is healthy. You know that's happening. No, it's not. You know it is. Hey, got the ball to DJ Moore. Eight receptions on the day. Uh, Joe, you know that's happening. Oh, that can't happen. We can't Uh, have that. It's Carlin versus Joe on ESPN Radio Series XM Channel 80. They get the first two picks in the draft, and they have Justin Fields. Nope, we're rolling with pageant. (laughs) That's going to be the plan for Chicago. We are just continuing to roll. It was about what was said after that Raider, Raiders game that made everybody raise an eyebrow. This is the Carlin versus Joe podcast on ESPN Radio. We all know breakfast is an important part of your day, but sometimes when you're traveling for business, you end up staying at a hotel that doesn't offer any. 
You know what happens? You grab a cup of coffee and skip the meal entirely. We've all been there. But if you book a room at La Quinta by Wyndham, you can enjoy their free bright side breakfast featuring delicious baked goods, fruit, eggs, yogurt, and waffles. And really, who doesn't want to start their day with a fresh, hot waffle? Tonight, La Quinta, tomorrow you shine. Book direct at LQ.com. Adams got it! Touchdown! Devontae Adams is absolutely ugly. Big play, so somebody had to make it, so I had to make it. One play, they had three guys accounting for it, and he still caught the football. Doesn't matter if he's double or triple teamed, he'll get open. And the prime of his career is absolutely being wasted. Carlin versus Joe, ESPN Radio, Sirius XM, Channel 80, presented presented by Progressive Insurance. 888-SAY-ESPN, 888-729-3776 is the Dr. Pepper call in line. Devontae Adams, after that embarrassment yesterday in Chicago uh, for the Raiders, asked after the game if the Raiders can, in fact, turn it around. As long as I'm here, I'm going to have confidence and, and do what i got to do, do my part to make sure that I'm helping you know, the guys around me and, and um, you know, we're going to work together to try to figure it out. Once again, applicable, Jack Parkman. I'm the only winner on the team. The rest of them are losers, either by choice or by birth. Exactly. Devontae Adams is being completely wasted here, Joe. What is the point if you're the Raiders in keeping him? And certainly if you're Adams, you want to get out the door. And even the Raiders, you could tell, tried to placate him early yesterday. They were feeding him the ball like it was grapes to a king. They were trying to get him the ball as much as they could early in that game. Now, to be fair here, Devontae Adams knew what he was getting into when he joined the Raiders. He didn't sign as a free agent, but he was traded there, and I find it hard to believe that that deal gets commenced unless he is a willing participant in the transaction. But why was he a willing participant, though? Because of Derek Carr and because he didn't know how long that Aaron Rodgers was going to be around. Certainly he thought that Derek Carr was going to be around longer than a year. Sure, but it still comes back to exactly the point I'm about to get out. It's that you put your faith in the Raiders. And that's something you have to be very careful with when it comes to, I don't know, wanting to succeed, wanting to compete for Super Bowls, wanting to put up big numbers. I get that Carr was there when the transaction went down. I get that it was a different coaching staff or perhaps it was a different organization at a time when you were doing this dealing. But the reality of the situation was it was the Raiders, and the Raiders have been the Raiders for quite some time. They didn't creep up on you as an organization that makes mistakes. They've been doing it for decades. Last playoff win, 2003, Rich Gannon. It was the year they ended up going to the Super Bowl and they lost to the Buccaneers. They have not won a playoff game since then. They've been back in the playoffs, what, I think twice since then? Both with Carr, one was the loss to the Texans where he broke his ankle two weeks from the end of the season. I think, wasn't it? Yep, I think it was McGloin from Penn State who stepped in, and then they went to Cincinnati and lost a pretty competitive game a couple years ago when the Bengals went to the Super Bowl. But that's what it comes down to, man. Like, it's unfortunate that it's not working out for him there. I get his frustrations. He's a world-class talent. But when you trust organizations like the Raiders with your career – Part of that's going to be on you if it doesn't work out because they have let you know for quite some time exactly who they are and exactly what they're about. Yeah, I, I, I completely get that. But if I'm Adams, I got to push the envelope here to get out the door.
Sure. I got to make up for this mistake on my part. It's a mistake on my part. It's a mistake on, on the Raiders' part. And if you're the Raiders, listen, it's not like you're trading away a rental. You're getting the first-round pick plus back for Devontae Adams, aren't you? Plus? Because you got him for the next couple of years, whoever trades for him. That's my asking price if we're going to do this before next week. And somebody's going to pay that price. Uh, what was it? So it's a five-year, $140 million deal with the Raiders that he signed. And as we mm-hmm. bring this up, I mean, obviously, it's probably something with some fake years in the back end. You'd yeah, be but getting like, I him- think he signed through at least 2025. 20, you have the out after 2024, but yeah, he signed through. It looks like 2026. There's a year there as well. Free agency in 2027. Cap hit this year is 14.7 million. Next year it's 25.3. Then it jumps to 44 million. So that's going to have to be restructured at some point. So essentially, this deal was probably meant to be restructured after this season, or at the very worst, after next season. Um, but tradable still, if you're looking for a marquee wide receiver, you're going to give up a first round pick. Um, I mean, think about it like this. If you, who, whoever the team would be that would make that move, what are you going to do with the first round pick? That's going to be better than Adams. Nothing. Right. Nothing. Like you might find someone who can put up some good numbers at a much cheaper price, but you're probably not going to get the all world production. He's going to give you, even though it might be more expensive than a rookie. Well, or it will clear. be more expensive than a rookie. If you're trying to trade for Devontae Adams, you're trying to win the Super Bowl this year. That That's what you're trying to do. Yeah. So you are adapting or adopting that blank them picks mentality that the Rams had a few years ago. And you know what? The Rams did it, and it worked. They went and traded for Von Miller. That was huge, yep. huge difference in them going and winning the Super Bowl that year. So why wouldn't you go and do this if you're a team that has a legitimate chance to contend? Listen, let's call it what it is. If you're the Cowboys, shouldn't you be thinking about this? If you're Devontae, hold hold on, hold on. We just talked about Adams making a mistake, trusting his career with the Raiders. Why would you trust your career with the Cowboys? It's a much, much better situation in Dallas than it is with Vegas. You would have to admit Please, take me through it. Uh, uh, Much better. I mean, you've got CeeDee Lamb on the other side of you. You've got Dak Prescott, who, listen, even Dak Prescott, I don't think could screw up Devontae Adams. I truly don't. And you're shaking your head like, eh, I don't know I'm just, I'm, I'm, I'm listening. I'm listening to it. You're making a lot of interesting points here. And I think the defense would benefit from that, too, because if you have Devontae Adams, you're going to have the football even longer and get that defense a little bit more rested. I think that helps the Cowboys throughout, and they are not sustainable trying to run the ball. I see one, two, three, four playoff wins for the Cowboys since the last time the Raiders won one. Four. So, yeah, it's an improvement. This is the Carlin versus Joe podcast on ESPN Radio.